talking about anticipation. I don't know how many of you, uh, I know Pastor Jeremy said, what is today? Pentecost. It is Pentecost Sunday. And so some of you may be thinking, I'm not sure what that is. And some of you are like, well, I've heard of that. And I know we're a Pentecostal church, but what does it really mean? Uh, how does that even work? Uh, what does it mean for me personally? And I just want to start to create in your heart right now for the next few minutes this sense of anticipation because this is for you. And, and really, I, I, I don't know if I should do this, kind of like Jeremy with the letting you, Pastor Jeremy letting you know what we're giving away, but sh- should I tell you what the whole point of the sermon is already? Yes, do you want it ahead of time? Yeah. Pentecost is for you. For you. Now, you may think it's for somebody else, and you may think, I don't know, yeah, honestly, I don't know what you think. You may have these ideas about what it is or isn't, or maybe you've heard weird things or strange things, and those might be true. I mean, I grew up Pentecostal, I've seen weird things. But that's not really what it's about. What it's about is you and God. So here's what I'm going to do for you today. I want you to have a sense of anticipation about that. We are going to pray at the end of service. We are going to have an opportunity for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit and pray for whatever else you need, if that's healing or you know, issues that you're struggling with, whatever, if you just need encouragement itself. But we are going to do that afterward. And maybe you're sitting there now and thinking, uh, not me, I'm not going all the way down there. I want you to think about that. I want you to open your heart to that. As Pastor Jeremy was talking earlier, even in the welcome, he said, there are things that you can anticipate and open your heart to. I'll tell you this, and I'll get to this in a little bit, but our God is a God, though, who he does not force you. You choose. That's how he wanted it. He wanted true followers. And we talk about that a lot, and there's a reason for that. But for you to get this, I want to set this whole idea of anticipation, and I want you to understand something. Everything that we're doing today, Pentecost, everything we do as far as a church, it all fits, actually, and there's a context to it all. You know how important context is, right? You walk up to somebody, and they're talking about things, and they're laughing, and you want to be part of it, but sometimes you walk up late, and you can't figure out, what are they talking about? Because you weren't in on the beginning, you don't have the context. It doesn't make sense. So, so you kind of like, you try to figure it out and you try to catch a word here or there and you're trying to put it in place. But if you don't have the context, it doesn't make sense. And that's true in a lot of things in life and it can be true with this. So I really want you to understand how this works. It starts out with what we call the gospel, the good news. And here's how it goes. God made you for a relationship. Now I repeat this a lot and I do that intentionally. You know, the mother's milk of teaching and learning is repetition. I want you to know this so well that not only could you repeat it, but I want you to get it in here. God made you for relationship. It's one of the deepest questions that humans struggle with. Why am I here? Why do I exist? You know why? Because there's a God who loves you, created you, wants to know you. He wanted a relationship with you. Now, for me, a lot of times I step back and think, me? Little old me? Yeah. And you. And here's the problem though. Our sin separated us from God. Every one of us. Now I know there's good people in here. I know that. I know people who are way better people than me. In fact, most of you are. But the fact is, every single one of us have done things that have separated us from God. And as much as you don't want to admit that, or as much as it hurts to admit it, the fact is, we've all done those things. But just like you who have children who've done things, you remember the first time your kid lied to you? Do you remember how deeply it hurt you? Because you, maybe not you, but did, hopefully I'm not the only one. Didn't you ever, when you were younger, didn't have kids, and you saw other people's kids, and you're like, my kid will never do that, right? <laughs> didn't you say that? And when your kid that, did that, you thought, 
oh my goodness. There's evil in the heart of every human, even those children. And as you look at them and they say and do things that are human, you just think, oh God, they just lied to me. Is that how you feel? And he does. It breaks his heart and it separates us in relationship. But he was not content to leave us that way. And the fact is, he set up a way for us to be redeemed. Now, here's the truth, though. Our, our sins cannot be washed away by our own good deeds. You don't make it good. You can never be good enough. Not one of us. Never, ever, not one. But paying the price for sin, Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. He died on the cross and he rose again. He paid the price. We, we owed a debt for our sin, but he paid it. Because we could never really pay it. It would never be enough. You couldn't do enough. And then everyone who trusts in him for eternal life has life with him that starts now and lasts forever. That's the context. That's the story of the whole Bible. That's why we are here. So putting this, continuing to put it in context, there's so much symbolism and context in this day of Pentecost that we're celebrating today, that we're honoring, that we're recognizing today. So again, I'm going to take you, I'm going to walk you along and give you context. So let's do this. Jesus and the disciples were Jews. They celebrated Jewish feasts. They followed all the Jewish ceremonies because that's who they were. They were Jews. And when Jesus celebrated the Last Supper, what he was doing was celebrating the Passover. So if you're not familiar with that, I want to get everybody on the same page so you understand all of this. The Passover was a feast that the Jews celebrated. And what it did is it commemorated them being freed from Egyptian slavery. They were in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. And during that time, they were, they were subjugated. They were less than. They were controlled. Everything that they did had to go through other people. They, had to, they weren't free to make decisions for themselves. And when God came and freed them, he used Moses. And as he did, if Moses went to Pharaoh, and right in the beginning of that story, there's an interesting thing. It's, it's almost like, it's not even foreshadowing. He just flat out tells him, you're going to lose your firstborn. I remember the first time I noticed that, and I thought, wait a minute, that didn't happen until way later in the book. But here's what happens. He, God sends these plagues on the people in Egypt, and Pharaoh's heart becomes harder and harder and harder. Nine plagues. Now, most of those plagues the Jews were exempt from. And it gets down to this final plague, and it was the firstborn son was going to die. Do you see the symbolism yet? Are you picking it up? Okay. So all of this comes, and Pharaoh was warned. Now, the Jews, they were spared, but here's how it worked. They had to take a lamb, and they had to prepare this lamb in a hurry, because they were in a hurry. And they had to take the blood from this lamb, and they had to put it on the doors and on the top of the doorway. They had to make a meal in a hurry. They had to prepare bread with no yeast. They didn't have time for it to raise. All these, all these rules for this meal. One of the big things, too, they could only fix enough that could be eaten by whoever was going to be there. And they said, if your lamb was too big, invite another family to join you. No leftovers. You know why? Because they were leaving. They didn't have any way to store it. They were headed out of there. And then what happened is God sent the death angel, and if he saw the blood on the doorway, he passed over the house. It's where the name comes from. That's where we get it. He passes over. Are you seeing the symbolism? The blood saved them from death. The blood saved them from, from what they did. They couldn't actually earn that salvation. They got it because of the death of the lamb. Sacrifices later in their, in their system of sacrifice covered their sin. It took the place of what they owed, their punishment. 
The symbolism here is when Jesus celebrated Passover, he was going to become that sacrificial lamb for the people, for then, for now, for us, for all time. He purchased our salvation. He removed our sin. There may be somebody here today, and you've never heard this before, or maybe it's never made sense, or maybe you're sitting there and thinking, I need that. If that is you, we will pray for you. I I want you to know, though, there's salvation for every single one of us. None of us are exempt. We all need it. We all need to apply it to ourselves. So then what happens is this. Jesus, he dies, he's sacrificed, and then after he raises from the dead, he's been telling the disciples this, but he's with them for about 40 days on and off. He appears to them 40 days. And then there's 10 days that they go without their leader. So that's where we get the term Pentecost because it was 50 days after Passover was this other feast. Pente meaning 50. And he had told, the, he told his disciples that they had to wait in Jerusalem for a comforter, for an advocate, for somebody the Holy Spirit would come and give them power. So I want to take a look real quick at those verses. In Luke, it says this, Jesus says to them, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then they went to Bethany and he was, he was taken from them. He, he went up into the clouds. So, so what did he say? What did Jesus say? Have you ever had that happen with your kids? They do something, you say, what did I just say? And they look at you like, I can't remember. Do you remember? Guys, you know how it is and your wife tells you something and you're like, oh my goodness, what did she say? You go to the market, you go to the grocery store, and you're like, I have no idea what I'm getting. Do you remember what Jesus just said? What did he say? He said to wait. He said to wait until the Holy Spirit comes. He told them to wait in Jerusalem. And then what did he say? He said that the Holy Spirit would fill you with power. I don't know if you can think or just imagine what the disciples were going through at the moment. They had just gone through seeing their, their, their teacher, their leader, their savior crucified. They never thought that could happen. Then they see him raised from the dead. They're just in this whirlwind. He'd been with them for 40 days and he's teaching them and instructing them. And then he says he's going to leave and they're like, what? How can you leave now? And he says, I have to leave because when I do, you will be filled with power. I don't know about you, but sometimes living the Christian life, I feel like I don't have what it takes. Do you? Can you do it all by yourself? No, you cannot. In the book of John, Jesus says it this way. I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. That word advocate In Greek, it's the word paraclete. It means advocate or comforter or encourager or counselor. The Holy Spirit literally comes upon us and he's with us and helps us. And what did he just say? I will send him. So we're supposed to wait. The Holy Spirit would testify about Jesus and then we're supposed to testify about Jesus. In the book of Acts, Luke, the doctor who traveled with Paul, he went and researched all these things and he says, Once when he was eating with them, Jesus, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Why did he say baptized? Because they'd already received the Holy Spirit. He had blown on them earlier and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer today, you have the Holy Spirit. He lives within you. 
What Jesus was promising is something more. Baptism, covering, an overwhelming, an overflowing, more of the Spirit. Something that most of us in life, you know, you, you walk through life and you just get drained with things that are happening, whether it's, whether it's questions or things going on in society or things you've seen on TV or the news or just what's going on in your family or just the, just the dreariness, drudgery of the day. You need filled with more. He goes on to say, but you will receive power at when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. So what did he just say? You see a pattern here? He said to wait and you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You receive power to be my witnesses. So he was raised from the dead. Then 10 days later, here they are, and they're waiting. What was happening right now is, if you look at the Jewish feast season, how this worked, there were three main feasts that Jews were required to go to Jerusalem. Now, most of them, they couldn't always go. Time was difficult. I mean, it was just like us. I mean, they have things going on. Passover was required. Then what we call Pentecost, they called it actually the Feast of Weeks, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. These were all important feasts. But historically, they say that most people would go to Pentecost or Feast of Weeks because, because it, was, it was easier to get to. These other ones had other things happening. Pentecost was also a time to celebrate the wheat harvest. And Jewish tradition, they also celebrate the giving of the law. They say this is when the law was received by Moses. And they looked at this particular feast as the birth of their nation because of the law. I want you to keep that in mind. Then we jump to Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Does that remind you of anything? Are there any other times in Scripture where you read that, that the, the Spirit of the Lord appeared and it sounded like a windstorm? Do you remember anything like that? Because he speaks like that at different times. It, it symbolizes the Holy Spirit. What's interesting is that word wind and spirit is actually the same word in both Hebrew and Greek. In Greek, you're probably familiar with the word pneuma, which means spirit, but it also means wind. It was representative of the Holy Spirit, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on them. Does that remind you of anything? And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages, or in their day, they would call them tongues. As the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So what did you get out of that? I hope you caught some things that are very important for today. The first thing I want to emphasize is it was all the believers were together. Why does that matter? Because it's for everybody. There was a time when the Holy Spirit was kind of reserved for, for prophets and priests and kings. And prophecy was something that only happened really to certain people. There was almost an elevated sense of a hierarchy of people who would be moved on by the Holy Spirit. And it would be a temporary thing. It would come and then go. And that's not what you're seeing here. It was all people. And he goes on. It was, they were meeting together and there was this sound of the mighty windstorm. And it filled the house, that representative sound of, of the Spirit and the wind coming in. And then what looked like flames had settled on each of them. You know what I'm reminded of is how God's presence would travel with them in the, when they were in the wilderness. He would travel with them in the form of a pillar of fire or a cloud during the daytime. That idea of that fire that was there 
It was in the wilderness. It was God's presence with them. And here's what's beautiful about this. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And how do we know that? It says that they all spoke with these other languages. And who gave them the ability? Spirit. The Spirit gave them that ability. And here's the rest of the story just gets really cool. At, the, at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they had heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthenians, Medes, and Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed, perplexed. What can this mean? They ask each other. They're people from different countries, and they came running because of the sound. Whatever was happening there was so interesting and amazing that it brought people from everywhere, and all these people from different areas. And all of a sudden, they hear people who shouldn't be able to speak their languages proclaiming the goodness of God and what God has done. They were literally worshiping God and praising Him in other people's languages. Peter stands up and he preaches a sermon where about 3,000 people get saved. In his sermon, he's explaining this phenomenon that they have seen and witnessed. And he's explaining it because they don't understand what has happened. And as part of his explanation, what he does is, is this is Peter. I mean, I think about Peter. He, all of a sudden, he is filled with a certain power that's different than what we had seen in him before. Now, we know Peter. I mean, right? You know Peter from the Gospels. He's my favorite, I always, I always say this. I, some people ridicule him because, remember he walked on water, but then he, he doubted and went down under the water? I look at it like he walked on water. No one else did. No one else jumped out of the boat and did that. Later when Jesus was resurrected and they're fishing and they see Jesus on the shore and somebody says, I think it's John says, I think that's Jesus. Peter jumps out and swims all the way to Jesus. I like this guy. But he's also the guy who just 50 days before denied Jesus three times. Don't forget that. Something changed in this man. Something changed in this man. He'd seen the risen Jesus, and he preaches a sermon where 3,000 people get saved. And in the sermon, he tells him, this Jesus whom you crucified. And then he tells him, don't think what's going on here is weird. This is actually a fulfillment of prophecy. And what's different today than then is most of them probably were very familiar with the prophet Joel. They were familiar with the prophecies. Because what they were looking for is a day of the Lord that would come and restore to them the kingdom of Israel. They were still looking for a physical uh, change in the government. They were under Roman occupation. They hated it. They wanted to be free. They wanted the former glory of their days. So when they looked at this prophecy, they saw it as a physical political change. And what Peter told them is it's not about that. Then he says, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Did you catch all that? What did I tell you in the very beginning? Pentecost is for you. Did you hear yourself in there? Did you hear yourself listed in there? Are you one of those people that Peter said, quoting the prophet Joel, God would pour out his spirit on? 
Do you remember when I talked about how this festival represented to the Jews? A lot of them figured, felt like this was also celebrating the birth of their nation. Did you ever think about this was also the birth of the church? And in a cool way, it's interesting because what the Jews had set up is that you had to go to Jerusalem to experience God. And what God was doing was changing all of that and saying, no, now I am coming and my Holy Spirit is going to dwell on each individual. You no longer have to come here. I am coming to you and now you're going to take this out to everybody else. No longer did you have to go into Jerusalem to worship. That's not the holy place. We are now the holy place and we are taking the holy place to everybody who needs the holy place. You are now going to have a power to share this with the entire world. He had trained his disciples to do this, but now they needed the power to put it into action and to go share it with the world. A dying world that needed to hear this. It was a celebration of the harvest, but now he is giving them power to harvest souls. It changes everything. And he says, in these last days, I hear this a lot. People ask me all the time, Pastor, do you think this is the last days? And I always kind of chuckle because if they thought it was the last days, you know what? These are the last days. We are far more closer to the last days. It wouldn't surprise me if Jesus comes tonight. It would not surprise me at all. I do think he is going to bring in a harvest before that, but he's not asking me. I'm just saying. He's coming when he's coming. And I think we are closer to the last days than we ever have been. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. Are we in the last days? Yes. And what was the promise to Joel? And what was the promise that Peter connected the Holy Spirit and Pentecost to? He is pouring out his spirit in these last days. And for what purpose? To bring in a harvest. That is his goal. What, it all goes back to what I said in the very beginning. What was the first thing I said in context? God created you for relationship. This is his way to bring people into relationship. And if you miss that, you've missed the point. All people. He's going to pour out his spirit on all people. All people. There is an inclusiveness in Christianity that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. It's not natural. It's not even human. Humans, what do we do? We kind of group with people like us. How many times have you... I always laugh when you know, we do something with students and it's, they self-segregate with girls and guys. We do that, right? There's nothing wrong with that necessarily. But I just want you to see the inclusiveness here. It is God. It's a God thing. It's the way he set it up. He is pouring out his spirit on every single one. He starts off and he says, sons and daughters, sons and daughters. Every one of you is a son and daughter. Most of us, when we think of sons and daughters, though, we think of younger people. They're included. He's pouring out on them. And what is he pouring out? He's pouring out prophecy. Do you see there that there's no gender differentiation there? It's not just sons. It's not just daughters. It's sons and daughters. Everybody's included. If I could have the worship team join me, and, and those of you who are um, going to pray today, I want you to get prepared to pray too. Do you see what else he said? Your young men will have visions. I'm going to ask some questions that may be a little intrusive, but you should be asking them yourself. When's the last time you saw a vision? He says old men will dream dreams. Some of you may think that it's over, like your, your relationship with him is set and you're done. You're not done. He has more. He has more. You know him, but you can know him more. You've experienced him, but you can experience him more. Old men dream dreams. Young men are seeing visions. Then he says, even on my servants. And I, as I've read that, I've always considered myself a servant. 
Do you guys consider yourselves servants? You know what he meant there? He meant servants. He meant actual servants. What he's talking about is people who were in servitude. It has nothing to do with class or economic status. Everybody's included here. Then he ends it and says, men and women alike will prophesy. I wonder about you. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And if you have, have you spoken tongues lately? Have you exercised that gift? Have you spent time with him in that? I wonder, when is the last time that you talked to somebody about Jesus? He's literally said, but, but this Holy Spirit will come on you and you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. Now, I don't want you to feel guilty. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you if you have not shared Christ with anybody because let's be fair, they didn't either. Not until they got kicked out, basically. And then Peter saw a vision and in the vision he saw, he saw this sheet come down and it had all this food that he wasn't allowed to eat in the Jewish way, but he was just starting to figure out, look, we're, we're not, it's not about being a Jew, it's about being a Christian, and we, we need to reach the world. And so then Cornelius came, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then the gospel started to spread, and Philip went to Samaria, and there was a revival in Samaria, and Peter and John went there, and they continued the, 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 uh, the revival breaking out there. God is spreading this, and he uses us to do it. So those questions, I guess... Again, when's the last time you've talked to somebody about Jesus? Maybe you need boldness. And that's what this is for. When we speak in tongues and we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it is more of his spirit that gives us that boldness to share our faith. It is also for us personally. Later in Corinthians, it talks about us being encouraged in our spirit. Certainly, it's wonderful for that. But let me ask you a question. Do you want more of God? Worship team, if you begin to play I want you guys to shut your eyes for a second. And as you shut your eyes, I'd love for the worship team or the prayer team to come up and get ready to pray. With your eyes shut, I just want to ask you a question today. How much of God do you want? How much is enough? I mean, you can be a Christian and do good things, go to heaven without being filled with the Holy Spirit. You can. But why would you want to? I never understood that. Why not? Why not have God? And if he offers you a gift, it's a good thing and you should want it. I want you to start asking him right now, God, what do you want for me? Do you want more of him? Because he wants to give you all of himself. Are we in the last days? Yeah, we are. Are you a son or daughter? Yes, yes, you are. Are you a young man or old man? Yes, you are. Are you a servant? Yes. Man or woman? Yes. It's for you. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to ask you, why not today? Would you stand with me? If you'd like prayer for any of these things, if you'd like prayer to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we want to pray with you. There's something else, we will pray with you. There's healing. If you want to be prayed for, you know you're looking toward a difficult situation at work or maybe even a family member, we want to pray for you. So I'm going to invite you right now to come down and be prayed for. Come down front, we will pray for you. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God. It's promised by Christ, confirmed by Scripture. It's for everyone. It's for you. We want to pray with you. Come on down for prayer.
grateful that you love us so much that you want a relationship with us God we're grateful that you care about us that you know what we're walking through the difficult times the happy times and I pray God that you would bless each and every one in this room God that you would meet them right where they are I pray father for those who who need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with more of you that you would you would speak that into their life that you would move upon them and that as we walk out into this world today 
that you would use us to reach a dying world that so desperately needs you. In the name of Jesus, amen. I want to encourage you as you head out today, be sure to just talk to people, welcome them. God puts some thought in your mind to talk to them, follow through on that. He is going to use you to reach a hurting world today. divide 